4: Associated Press has now just called it. You see the numbers on the bottom of your screen. You see the check mark there, 67.3, 32. Uh, yes, that means that Gavin Newsom will not be recalled. The Associated Press has now called it. You've got 58% of the vote in. As we said earlier, we knew that this was going to be the early totals in some of these large counties that came in, like Los Angeles County and up in the Bay Area. Uh, our assumption and what the pundits were telling us is that as the night goes on, you're gonna get some of the later votes and you're gonna get some of the votes from the areas like Fresno and Bakersfield and Tuolumne County and Tulare County and some of these areas that have more conservative areas as you get closer to the Nevada border and you move up the state. Well, we're still waiting for those. But the Associated Press and other networks have now decided it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. And that Gavin Newsom, Newsom will retain his position. And this is kind of what we're building up to because Gavin Newsom and the Democrats were very confident in the fact they believed they were going to win this.
1: Yeah, they sure did. They said yesterday we're going to there's no scenario under which we would lose this election, which made me wonder you know, how can you be so sure? And if you're so sure, why is uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, why are they all going out there to campaign for you if you're so certain? Well, I guess they sort of were taking care of business. That's really what I think. I told you yesterday uh, we had some California voters uh, tell us uh, stories, the things that were happening to them. Many of them were getting two and three ballots. Uh, sometimes the the address would be right, but there might be a different name, or they might be the same name. And so it's like they scratch their heads and say, how did I get – two ballots. And lots of people were getting two ballots. And then we heard from another woman who uh, went to vote, and they told her she had already voted. You have already voted, ma'am, so you cannot vote. But she had not already voted. So that was just one story. Surely, it doesn't represent other people, right? It's just a fluke. So last night on Laura Ingram, there was another California voter who had a different experience. I thought you'd want to listen. It's clip three.
5: So I'd never received a mail-in ballot, which I thought was kind of weird, because Um, I had other people in my residence who did. Um, So I went to vote in person. Um, I gave the poll worker my my first and last name. They were not able to find uh, my registration at all. So they um, asked me to scan my driver's license. And when they scanned my driver's license, my name came up as Benjamin. Um, So they had me fill out a provisional ballot. um, And it just didn't sit right with me for the rest of the day. So later in the afternoon, I looked up my voter registration um, and pulled up. Uh, you know, I had to use my first and last name, my birth date, my social security number, my driver's license, and it pulled up what you're seeing on the screen here, mm-hmm. which is my first and last name are correct, my email address is is correct, um, but they have me registered in a county that I've never lived in. Um, I'm registered as a Democrat, which I do not, which I'm not, and they also have me um, receiving permanent mail-in voting, mm-hmm. which I also did not. So um, what did the poll worker say to you about this? Uh, Have there been other instances of this? Because those are several things that are significant that are off on your registration. Yeah, for sure. She did say that this was not the first time that she'd seen it happen. Um, She obviously thought it was very odd, but not the first time she saw it happen. Okay. And you mentioned also that you had just flown the day or two before this and your driver's license obviously passed through TSA. So, you know, it's linked to you properly. Yep. So yep. The, these could be a series of clerical errors. Are you worried, though, that in California, maybe there are other voters who don't know that some of their information is not correct? Um, this could affect, you know, if you get a provisional ballot, that still has to go through a process to make sure that your vote counts. Are you confident right. that it will? Not really. <laughs> What are not your, really at all. What are all your right, worries? All right, so I'm going to interrupt because it's a long clip. That
1: Shannon Bream, of course, that's her voice. It's a California voter. She goes on to talk about she just dreads shutdowns and all the things that Gavin Newsom has done. So California uh, did not manage to take Gavin Newsom back, and he's preening. In fact, the New York Times is printing this morning. You know, Gavin wins in a landslide, and uh, Congressman Ted Lieu from California is saying that uh, they're crushing Trumpism. So that's the way they feel about it. I think. Personally, I think this is uh, just a taste of what's to come. They will, this is what we have seen. And this is a, I know this is a drastic statement, but I'll say it because I've watched this, I've talked about it numbers of times. This is the way the new totalitarians take over, they do it through the election process. You know, I actually, Adolf Hitler did the same thing. Come to think of it. But in South America, it's kind of been perfected. In Venezuela, uh, so that they talk about democracy. You know, they're all in favor of democracy. Uh, so what, they get elected de- democratically by whatever means necessary. And then they immediately, you know, uh, nationalize uh, businesses. They start closing banks. They start, you know, mistreating their people. Uh, crime goes up. I've seen it over and over and over again. So I think California just. Um, Got you know, whatever happened, I guess a few people's votes are not being counted and a lot of other people's votes are being counted. So that's what happened. Uh, and Then yesterday, Anthony Blinken testified uh, before the Senate, uh, but some people were not terribly happy with what he had to say. As a matter of fact, uh, this is Rand Paul uh, bringing a few things up to him that he might want to remember. Let's listen.
6: Let's quit sending good money after bad. The guy the Biden administration droned was he an aid worker or an ISIS K operative? Uh,
0: the administration is,
4: of course, reviewing that uh, that strike, uh, and I'm sure that a you know full assessment will be will be forthcoming. So you
6: don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS K operative.
4: Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know
6: or won't tell us? Uh,
3: I don't. I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it.
4: Well, see, you'd
6: think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a predator drone, whether he's an aid worker or he's an ISIS case. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. And the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true, and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what, maybe you created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorists from bombing the wrong people. So you gotta know who you, we can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people, we have an investigation before we kill people. We've got plenty of bombs. We can bomb almost anything we want from anywhere in the world. Maybe we should have bombed the helicopters and the planes that we left behind. I mean, even though you said you didn't know any of this and it was all surprise, once they took all of our stuff, we should have said you got 20 minutes to get out of it because we're going to blow it all up. Then you would have sent a message of strength. Instead, we bombed somebody who we we're not sure whether it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative. That
1: was Senator Rand Paul taking on, uh, you know, Anthony Blinken. Of course... Tony Blinken doesn't need a lot of defense uh, because the establishment and the leftists who now rule us, they love what they did in Afghanistan, not concerned about leaving Americans behind. Uh, I'm not saying all Democrats. I'm really not saying that at all. As a matter of fact, Bob Menendez from Florida was, uh, had invited uh, the, uh, the, the uh, national security advisor to the president to come, and uh, he decided not to show up and testify. And he had some harsh words for him. This is clip eight. Let's listen.
2: Second, I'm very disappointed that Secretary Austin declined our request to testify today. A full accounting of the U.S. response to this crisis is not complete without the Pentagon, especially when it comes to understanding the complete collapse of the U.S. trained and funded Afghan military. His decision not to appear before the committee will affect my personal judgment on the Department of Defense nominees. I expect the Secretary will avail himself to the committee in the near future, and if he does not, I may consider the use of committee subpoena power to compel him and others over the course of these last 20 years to testify.
1: Yeah, well, let's hope he does that. That's Secretary of Defense General Lloyd Austin. And that's Secretary Men- Senator Menendez from Florida, who is a Democrat, uh, who said, I- I'm really disappointed. Well, you know, he couldn't bother to come to this hearing on the, uh, the travesty that was the removal or uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan? They couldn't bother to show up. That's really it's really disgusting. It really is. And these are the kinds of people that have been leading us. These are the reasons that we've been in a mess for a long time. And this is the reason why President Trump had so much trouble uh, doing getting things done. And and to make that point, you know, the story came out yesterday that Mark Milley, uh, <laughs> Mark Milley did a little deal um, with the president. He told he called the Chinese his Chinese counterpart and told him promised him that if there was going to be an attack, if President Trump decided to attack China, he'd let them know. He would give them warning. Well, that's making a few people upset. And uh, needless to say, that's not all. He actually told the military officials that after January the 6th, he convened a private meeting and he told them not to take orders from the president. Uh, it's, It's just absolutely stunning. And so there was another general on television last night, retired Army Colonel Douglas McGregor, who was very careful. This book, by the way, is written by Bob Woodward, and it has to be vetted. It was in the New York Times and the Washington Post printed excerpts. And this is these stories about Millie and the reports that he was telling military leaders not to listen to the president after January 6th and colluding with his counterpart in China, uh, telling him that um, he would let them know if there was going to be a strike or if President Trump ordered it. You know what that is, right? You've heard it from others, and uh, it's immediately what came out of my mouth. This is treason. This is treason, if it's true. Retired Army Colonel Douglas McGregor had a few things to say about it. Let's listen to clip six.
4: First of all, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs has no statutory authority over operational forces of any kind. That means that he is not in a position to order anyone in the armed forces to say or do anything. Can't do it. He is preeminently the senior military advisor to the president. That's what he is. So in theory, before he would make such a phone call, he would discuss the subject of the phone call with the president, the commander in chief. He certainly would not do something without coordinating with the national security advisor and the secretary of state, because this is beyond defense. This is a foreign policy statement that he's making.
1: Yes, and there's another part of this book that uh, he comments on, and that is where uh, Millie goes over to talk to Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, tells her that he agrees with her on everything and he's going to do everything he can, <laughs> you know, do uh, basically her bidding. That's political. That's something that generals don't do. That's something that the rank and file gets a court-martialed for. They can't go on political campaigns, and privately they can say what they want, but they cannot be public, and they certainly can't collude with the opposite political party of their, of their president. He, uh, retired Colonel uh, Douglas, uh, I actually thought he was a general, but anyway, it says Colonel Douglas McGregor uh, basically says that if he felt that way, he should have resigned. That's what, that's what honorable men do. Instead, he committed treason. Will he be, I'm saying this, if this is true, I'm saying this that he committed treason. How dare he undermine the president of the United States? So the president of the United States at the time had a few words about this. And um, I forgot what the clip number is, you guys. I want to hear the President Trump clip, his response to this story, uh, clip two.
7: So first of all, if it is actually true, which is hard to believe, uh, that he would have called uh, China and done these things and uh, was willing to uh, advise them of an attack or in advance of an attack, that's treason. And I would think I've had so many calls today saying that's treason, number one. Number two, it's totally ridiculous. I never thought of it. You were there. You were you would what was happening in the White House. You have plenty of friends. You never heard the word China mentioned in a thing like this. You heard a lot of anger about China on trade. And we made a great trade deal. You heard a lot of anger on China with the China virus. But, uh, for them, for him to say, for him to say that I would even think about attacking China, I think he's trying to just get out of his incompetent withdrawal out of Afghanistan. The worst, the dumbest thing that anybody's seen, probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to our country, where they, they killed our soldiers. They, we left with embarrassment on our face. We left Americans behind. And we left $85 billion worth of the best equipment in the world that I bought because I was the one that rebuilt our military, and then Biden gave it away.
1: Yeah, so that's how President Trump feels about it. There was an insurrection underway at the highest levels, if this is true. This is General Milley. We also have a story that Gina Haskell was also working with Milley, uh, claiming that the president had lost his mind. So they decided they'd just take it in their own hands, and they told uh, military officials not to obey after January 6th. We'll be right back.
8: May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles, and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Y E S W O R D. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This
0: is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for General John Hyten, Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is the second highest ranking military officer in the U.S. Armed Forces. Hebrews 13.7 reminds us that good leaders should set an example for us to follow. Remember your leaders who spoke God's message to you. Reflect on the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for General Hyten as he helps lead our nation's military. We
4: ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit. Nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pause
2: Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next.
0: This fall, Liberty University is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ. Since 1971, Liberty has been training Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential for impacting the world, a vision that continues today. The story of Liberty University is one of unwavering faith, and we invite you to be part of the next chapter. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Visit liberty.edu to learn more. Again, that's liberty.edu.
2: Hundreds of well-polished celebrities were on the red carpet the other day at the 2021 Met Gala. The rich and famous and powerful, mostly liberals, decked out in their Sunday best without a mask. Not a single person wearing a face mask except for the help. We saw similar scenes at Barack Obama's birthday party and DNC fundraisers in California. The same people telling the nation to mask up and quarantine and get the vaccine on television are living a very different life behind the scenes. Rules for thee, but not for me. So let's review the state of the global pandemic. The Met Gala, Lollapalooza, and Barack Obama's birthday party are COVID-free zones, but Trump rallies, college football games, and Sunday morning church services are super spreader events. By the way, my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, available right now at toddstarns.com.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio. Okay,
1: Sandy Rios back with you. I have uh, been saving for weeks. Updates on January the 6th and what's happened to the people that are still in jail in D.C. Uh, And because of the the gush of news everywhere else, I've gotten behind. And so I want to spend some time with you this morning catching up on what's been happening. And I want to recap what we just talked about. We're learning now that General Mark Milley, along with Gina Haspel uh, and others, uh, after January 6th, instructed the as though they weren't already doing this, they were already doing this. We talked to you so often when President Bush was president in an office. How he was being undermined. We knew a lot of it, but we didn't know all of it. Now it looks like General Milley was right in the center of this, and Gina Haspel as well, the uh, director of the Central Intelligence Agency. So uh, this this is uh, if this is not insurrection, I'm not sure why it isn't. So ironically, uh, Mark Milley, the general, the Joint Chiefs chairman, uh, after January 6th, that you know insurrection they like to call it. After that happened at the Capitol, uh, he actually instructed military officials to ignore orders from the president, pass everything by him. They were going to do gonna sidestep President Trump as though they had the power to do that. So now all hell is breaking loose on those people, those you know, uh, whatever. I don't even fill in the blanks those horrible people that are still in jail and those that went to that rally, which as last I looked in the Constitution, you were able to go to Washington, D.C. and protest and rally. You know, I, I've i lived in D.C. for so long. You can't hardly walk around the Capitol, around the Capitol, around the White House. You can't hardly watch ten, walk 10 steps without seeing someone protest something. I mean, there's masses of people, and you say, what are they doing? What are they protesting? Oh, they're protesting, you know, immigrant rights. They're protesting, you know, uh, the right to, I don't know, you know the popular causes, and there's a lot of causes you've never heard of in the world. People protest. Americans we have been given the right to assemble and to protest. We can do that. That's not a crime. We actually actually, can go into our Capitol, too. It's kind of amazing that we've been able to do that for years. But you can actually go in and you can talk to your congressman. Or at least you used to be able to do that. And now they treat people who did that. The thousands that went to Washington on January 6th, they, they had the banks track their banking records to see where they travel, where they got their gasoline, where they stayed overnight. They, uh, they had the phone companies tracking their phone calls. This has never happened. This is an an abridgment of the Fourth Amendment. So now we have um, these—we have—okay, I'm going to go to this direction. Let me just say we have—let's just say two people uh, who are public figures who should know better, who are really sicking the dogs— on people who feel the election wasn't rightly decided, people who felt like something needed to be done on January the 6th, short of violence, the FBI themselves just came out with their report saying they didn't find, they've, you know, exerted all of this, these resources, trying to find these planners of the insurrection, and they found nothing. They found there was nothing. They couldn't find, even after they have been through all this and they had all of this illegal help from phone companies and banks, they weren't able to patch together any kind of a conspiracy. But that didn't stop George W. Bush, who was our president. Remember that? From, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, shamefully, in the middle of his speech commemorating 9-11, saying this. This is clip 14.
6: The security measures incorporated into our lives are both sources of comfort and reminders of our vulnerability. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdain for pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit And it it is is our continuing continuing duty to to confront them.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, he didn't mention Antifa, Black Lives Matter. He's talking about those that went into the Capitol on January the 6th. And one more thing before I introduce our guest. Hillary Clinton now is calling for a new war on terror, targeting Trump supporters. She says they are threatening our society. I'll give you her exact words. Um, She says, I think you always have to be vigilant, Gail." And certainly that unfortunately comes with living in the world as we know it today. But I actually am more concerned about internal threats. Now, they're referring to Afghanistan and all the things that are happening. But no, Hillary changes to her concern about internal threats. We always have to be aware of and protect against external threats. But really, what is tearing our country apart and threatening our democracy is what we saw on January the 6th. I'm just giving you a taste of what you know is true, but I'm reminding you of the vitriol and hatred and all that's going to come after us. It's already coming at us. It's only going to get worse. Okay, so Matt Brainerd was with the Trump administration, but right now he's focusing and has been for months. We've talked to him several times on helping the detainees that are in the jail in Washington, Uh, D.C. Matt, thanks for your patience while I did that long introduction. (laughs)
3: Well, I'm, I, I listened to it rapidly, and you're really right. I guess we ultimately found out who the real insurrectionist was, didn't we?
1: Isn't that isn't it ironic? It, it, it the irony. It, it, we just have to sit with it for a minute to think about that. We Matt, we knew we knew this, but we didn't know these particular. If it's true, we have to say that because Bob Woodward is a scoundrel from my perspective. So, um, and I I think he, he's caused a lot of trouble by his the twists on his reporting. So, you know, but Millie has not denied this. So... Um, it
3: feels like if, if it was incorrect, would, you'd would be screaming it from the rooftops the same way everybody else does when they accuse Woodward of fabricating something. And you've read, if you've ever read his style of writing, it's, it's almost fictionalized, in the, just stylistically, because he writes it sort of in the third person's if you're there. And that's you can't do that. That's just not... Without some fabricating, because you're kind of imagining, you know, the scenery and writing all the gestures and the tone of voice. So um, he does that to make it, I guess, for a better stylistically, a better read, I guess, in his mind. But you can't help but fabricate. And, uh, you know, however, the lack of a denial is uh, pretty clear. And I I also seem to recall that uh, Woodward keeps recordings. So uh, if somebody's going to come out as a liar, he's got receipts of uh, at least. Uh, most of the, these kinds of claims that he's making in
1: his book. Yeah, well, we saw all of us saw uh, how he treated the president publicly, disrespectfully. I felt it was treason at the time. I'm sa- I'm using that word. Yes, I am because when the president left the White House and went to uh, Saint John's uh, ch- uh, Church, which is right across the street, right by Lafayette Park, because it had burned and been burned and attacked by the Black Lives Matter group, uh, and held up his Bible. You know, he Millie and others walked across with him. And then Millie comes out and undermines the president completely. Apologizes for being there and just falls all over himself to undermine his commander in chief. If anybody listening to me has well, ever been in the military, you know you never do that to your commander, even well, if you even if you're right. Here's
3: to tell. Here's to tell that you know he couldn't be trusted is the fact that the second administration kept him on. There so, you go. That's you, you don't go from the last administration to this administration and keep your job unless uh, some. They made a mistake picking you the first time.
1: Yeah. Well, Matt, let, let's talk. To, let's. I know that you have a very busy week, and I appreciate you giving us this time. But uh, I wanted to lay the groundwork because I want people to understand why we're doing this. And why, I'm not we. I'm we because I'm support. I support what you're doing, and I support these guys. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying I approve of everything. Whatever they did on January 6th, I don't know. There's too many of them for me to know each thing. Uh, But the way they're being treated is absolutely disgraceful. So do you have an update for us on who is still there, not necessarily the names, but the the numbers and what the treatment is like?
3: Well, Look Ahead America has built the most complete database of all of the political prisoners uh, and— you can find that at org slash j6. We have the attorneys, contact information, etc., everything, and all the things we've been charged with. We estimate approximately 90 of them are still, 90 to 100 of them are still incarcerated. Uh, although our numbers are not perfect, it could be far more than that. Um, they're still incarcerated, and the vast majority of them are not charged with violence. And those, even, here's the thing, too, it's I think important is that, look, all of our focus in organization, we're having the big rally in D.C. on Saturday, and we're having I think, 17 rallies in 17 different states in the following weeks. But the focus is on the vast majority of them who have no charges of violence against them. things like parading, trespassing, et cetera. But even those who have been accused of violence, uh, the federal government has demonstrated they've gotten that wrong in many cases where they will not present the evidence or have refused to present the evidence thus far. And now we're nine over nine months in on this. Uh, to show that, you know, this, these people who are accusing of having, you know, assaulted police officers, etc., did anything of the sort. So there should be video of this. And, and the fact that the government is going in to, with their prosecutors, lying to judges, they're having prosecutors tell judges, yeah, there were a bunch of cops murdered on uh, January 6th, when there were zero cops murdered to prevent these people from getting bail, and refusing to release evidence, saying that, yeah, we may not have evidence ready until 2022, and want these people kept in prison without bail until then. It's so abundantly clear to everyone that these people are being punished not for what they did, but for their beliefs. And even in the cases where they've been charged with violence, they're still entitled to, their, to see the evidence against them. They're still entitled to a speedy trial by the Constitution, and that's being, that's being denied. And increasingly, the American public are coming over to our side. There have been two polls that I've seen, one publicly that shows the plurality of Americans, 49% agree with us, and like 43% disagree, and in fact, 45% of Democrats. Agree with us that the administration is oh, wow. holding political prisoners. I've wow. also seen another poll um, internally uh, from another organization that shows that uh, you know we're nonpartisan, but among GOP voters, they believe exactly what we've been articulating—that this is unjust, that these are this is political persecution, that it's not this is uh, completely unconstitutional. So well, sooner or later, you know, the reason we're going to the Capitol building in, in part is to light a fire under federal legislators to get them to demand justice from the Justice Department. But we're increasingly seeing that more and more people agree. And look, a lot of a lot of uh, federal legislators have been cowards on this issue. But one thing a they lot. care about more wait, than anything talk, else wait, is getting Matt, reelected. Wait,
1: wait. I disagree with you. I'd sorry, say oh, I'd say most senators and most congressmen have done squat. I'd say it's a handful who've done anything. That's more accurate. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted agree. you.
3: I agree. I, I agree with you completely. But if they if the if we change the public's viewpoint. They will have no choice but to, to confront these. And the problem is that so many on the uh, patriotic or perceived patriotic political leaders, they think that they can defeat the January 6th phony narrative by ignoring it. And they couldn't be more wrong. It has to be confronted directly. There was no insurrection. There were a couple of violent guys and a largely peaceful protest and there was no attempt at any kind of insurrection because everything that the left is trying to ram through across this country, be it on the local, state or federal level, so much of it is premised on the idea of being a reaction to a violent insurrection. You have people going around saying that it was worse than worse than September eleventh. So we, oh, yes. we this is not going to go away if you ignore it. It has to be confronted and torn out by its roots. And that's one of our objectives.
1: Yeah, let me uh let me just emphasize what you just said in a different way. And I've said this before, but it has to be said again. This is a video—if it, it doesn't move you to care about others uh, enough to do something, this is a just a window of our future. And I mean—when I say our, I mean people who love the Constitution, love the flag, want to save this country, want to preserve its values— and some of them happen to support Donald Trump. Those are the people that are being targeted. And if you're one of those, even if you deny it, listen, they're they are going to come after you with a vengeance. And you know what? They don't. The, the, the irony of it is when you, you're dealing with totalitarians, uh, you can't do enough to appease them. You know, they're, they're not uh, satisfied until they have really destroyed you. And so it's time. We have to fight now. The rally is this Saturday. It's uh, Justice for J6. And what time, Matt?
3: It's from, it's at noon. So get there a little before that at the U.S. Capitol on the west side. It's near the reflecting pool. You won't be able to miss it because apparently everything else is going to be fenced up and they're going to put up a guard tower in our honor. Uh, despite our, them knowing us very well, despite our successful events that we've had in D.C. over and over again on the subject, there was a political decision to put up fencing to intimidate people from showing up. And we've yeah. actually been finding people trying to intimidate people from showing up from both the right and I would call the dilettante phony the, the left of the dilettante phony right. I'm trying to say that this is a uh, false flag attack, a honey trap, or anything like that. But this is a completely legitimate exercise of our First Amendment rights. We've done all, got all the permitting. We've cooperated completely with Capitol Police. They were in daily contact with them. Um, so uh, th- this is going to be a very safe and successful rally. But uh, we just need people to show up. And what's great to me about this is that we, this rally is already a success. Because in talking, uh, since we've announced it, we've gotten thousands of television stations, radio stations, local and national to cover us. Whereas everything we've done in the past has been ignored. So we've done the one thing that they cannot ignore is give them essentially what is a a spicy story, or they, they're portraying it as a spicy story. A bunch of people supporting, you know, in their minds, these crazy insurrectionists are going back to the Capitol. It's going to be insurrection 2.0. They can't resist covering it. And covering it, more people are learning about our cause and learning about the great injustice, this moral stain on our country, given the way that these people are being treated. This, the, we are holding political prisoners. That is a phrase that we are accustomed to hearing to describe other governments, foreign governments, totalitarian states like Iran or China. But here's happening right at home. And worse, I'm glad that, that our organization, Look Ahead America, can stand up and represent these people.
1: Well, I am too, Matt. And so let me just say again, practically speaking, if you uh, want more information than you've gotten from us, uh, go to lookaheadamerica.org slash rally, lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. Uh, the rally in D.C. is at the Capitol West Side today, uh, this Sunday, <laughs> Saturday, Saturday, Saturday at noon. Yep. Uh, and there will be 17 rallies across uh, 17 different states, maybe on other days. So you can find that information on lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. Okay, what were you going to say, Matt?
3: Well, uh, that's, that's great. And I do want to shout out that we have some very brave congressmen. We've had Paul Gosar, who's spoken at two of our events. Congressman Ralph Norman is speaking at our events in South Carolina. And we have two candidates. Uh, Mike Collins from Georgia's 10th District, and Joe Kent from uh, Washington's 4th oh, District. Him. We're going to be yeah. speaking at our event in D.C.
1: Oh, that's great. That is great. We've had uh, most of the—I I phased out during one of those things, but most of those people we know, and we've had them on, and uh, very proud of them. And, Matt, I just one last thing before we let you go here. Why this issue for you? Why this issue?
3: Well, you know, Look Ahead America is originally founded to do voter registration and community organizing. And uh, back in January, I I saw this injustice happening, and I lost a lot of sleep about whether or not we want to get engaged in it. But fundamentally, this is also community organizing. And part of the reason these people have suffered so much is because we as an organization, we as a movement on the right, have atrophied so much that we have no real community organizing muscle. If this had happened on the left, all of those people have gotten bail in a hurry because they would have they've got this large protest culture, this large ability to uh peaceably and sometimes not in their case, uh raise cane. And this is very much about community organizing. And you know, we may not make a whole big difference for a lot of these people. But in the process of doing this, we are learning skills, building infrastructure, building the apparatus so that in the future, two, three, five, ten 10 years from now, if something like this happens again, we'll be much better positioned to respond to it.
1: You know, uh, what you just said reminds me, I know you remember this, when Kavanaugh, the Kavanaugh hearings were going on, these foul, vulgar protesters were in the hearing room, and they would go out, mm-hmm. they would do their outbursts, they'd have to be dragged from the room, they would get arrested And then, then they'd be handed bail money, and then they'd be back in the room again. It's just to prove your point. Uh, They were doing. The the
3: things they're being charged with is the exact same things that these people who have gotten been in solitary confinement for nine months have been charged with the exact same thing.
1: It's not equal justice under the law. So, uh, Matt, listen. Thanks. I I appreciate what you're doing. It's uh, justice for J6 rally. You guys can start the music here. The bumper. Uh, Justice for J6 rally at the U.S. Capitol this Saturday on the (laughs) West Side. And uh, you can look at lookaheadamerica.org slash rally for more information. Matt Brainerd, thanks. Uh, we'll be anxious to hear from you after this is over, and you can tell us, please, <laughs> what happened and how, how it went. We, So those of us in the audience, so the, me, including a lot of my audience, uh, we need to be praying for you guys for your safety. Um, I, I know you've made every uh, preparation necessary, but, you know, this is a bold thing to do, and... Uh, it's, uh, it ta- it's a Patriots of Courage. Those are the ones that are going to be showing up. So God bless each of you in advance, and may he keep and bless your efforts. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning. And when we come back, I'm going to now inter- uh, sort of update you on other things about January 6th that I've been holding, okay? Info- important information to help you understand a little better, even better, on uh, what's happening. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
6: Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message.
0: Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. When you hear this,
4: this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth, your news from a Christian perspective.
1: Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school
7: building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience.
4: If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news
7: brief at AFN.net. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, Romans 12.2. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Paul's epistle to the Romans was written to believers. This verse highlights the fact that it's possible for Christians to be conformed to the world's ways. The word "conform" there means to be squeezed into the mold of another. Rather than being squeezed into the world's mold, the Lord requires us to be transformed by having our minds renewed by God's Word. Everything about us must be held up to the light of Scripture, and wherever there's any discrepancy, we must be transformed.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, preborn clinics are there.
2: I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child, and he had made me choose him or the baby.
0: This mother chose life after meeting with pre-born counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound.
2: I just felt so blessed and the hand of God on me so strong. And I knew then on I was going to serve God and I was going to keep this child and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally. Pre-born
0: centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus.
2: He was our little miracle child. God's timing was impeccable.
0: Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Over 160 retired flag officers for America have recently called for the resignation of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They deemed it warranted by General Mark Milley's unconscionable failure of leadership with respect to racist training and purges of military personnel and America's strategic defeat in Afghanistan. The case for terminating General Milley has become even more clear-cut and urgent, however, thanks to as yet unrefuted claims in a forthcoming book entitled Peril. We're told he sought to allay improbable Chinese concerns that President Trump would launch a nuclear strike after losing the 2020 election by promising to forewarn his counterpart of any attack. Such a warning would almost certainly give aid and comfort to our enemy and probably result in immense loss of American lives. If it happened, that amounts to treason and would justify Mark Milley's overdue firing and a court-martial. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio.
1: Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. Um, I want to remind you just of a few things. I told you uh, in regard to people being held in jail in D.C. Uh, for going to the Capitol on January the 6th, I told you about one. This is not a new story. This was actually uh, the end of August. Uh, Douglas Jensen was one of the first people arrested. He was charged with a seven-count indictment and multiple felonies. Uh, despite his only—the only thing he did, he carried a pocket knife with him. He just had it with him. He didn't carry it in his hand. He had it in his pocket. And so— um, He's gone through inc- He was in jail like uh, seven months, and uh, the authorities so let him out. But the stipulation was that he could he could not watch anything on television. He could not look, look at the internet. And uh, so what he did was he went to his garage somehow, and they they caught him listening to Mike Lindell's symposium on a cell, uh, some sort of a device. And so they. They then moved to put him back in jail. Now, I'm assuming, uh, I don't know if in this article, honestly, I can't, I don't know if they actually put him back in jail, but I think they probably did. And uh, the things, so he didn't do anything in the Capitol. In video, there's no proof that he did anything other than he was in there with the other people with this knife in his pocket. And so um, the judge imposed strict restrictions on him that he needed to follow as he awaited trial. Not having access to the internet was one of them. He was told he could not use any internet-capable advice or even learn the password of a family member. So um, this is what the court document actually said. A mere 30 days after his release from D.C. jail, defendant Douglas Jensen was found alone in his garage using a Wi-Fi-connected phone to stream news from Rumble. And then they talk about how the truth was it was Mike Lindell's symposium. So... um, Jensen, this is the court document, Jensen eventually admitted to his pretrial services officer that in a previous week he had spent two days watching Mike Lindell's cyber symposium regarding the recount of the presidential election. So prosecutors said he should never have been released in the first place because the government had, quote, suspected all along, end quote, that he wouldn't abandon what they called his misguided beliefs when they forced him to disavow them in order to to, uh, leave prison. That's a whole story in itself, uh, he has the wrong thoughts, and so he must be punished. It wasn't that he committed any crime. And so that's just one. That's a Jensen. Uh, Jacob Chansley is the goofy guy in the furry hat who went into the Capitol and, you know, bare-chested, just an odd dude. Uh, and so he has been in jail since this happened. They call him the QAnon shaman. Shaman, But um, the story on him is that he's gotten terrible defense, horrible defense, that the only thing that was... Um, The only case against him, the only thing they could find was this, and it was the least serious of anything charged to anybody on that day, obstructing an official proceeding, whatever the heck that means. And and because of that, he has been in jail because he's had, according to what I'm reading from, I don't know if it's an attorney who wrote this, but um, he got terrible, terrible representation uh, the attorney did not advocate him it, for him. It appears as though the, the attorney actually did the opposite and, figure, and worked out a plea deal with the feds so that Jacob cannot even uh, he cannot even make a plea uh, agreement with uh, for the future. There's just no defense unless the ju- judge steps in and intercedes for him. His own uh, representation has just been a, a disaster, and that's what I'm hearing about other representatives too. Now Jacob Chansley, he's an odd dude. He's weird, you know. But he doesn't deserve, does he deserve to languish in jail in D.C., being beaten and kept in his jail for 22 hours a day, not fed properly? Really? One report I read said that he's really a danger and dangerous uh, to lose his mental capacity. Who wouldn't go crazy in a situation like that? But yet, you know what? He's, uh, dang- what did he do? He obstructed an official proceeding. Uh, yeah, unlike the uh, protesters that screamed and shouted obscenities and obstructed a Senate hearing for a Jude Supreme Court nominee, uh, that was not so bad, you know. It might have been, they might have been obstructing an official procedure, but they were the right kind of protesters. So they haven't been punished for this. It's just wrong. I have uh, other things. theres a, I'll just give you one more, and then I want to read something to you. William Isaacs, he's 21 years old. He's a student firefighter trainee. Uh, he's been charged, uh, the CNN refers to him as at the epicenter of the Capitol Hill riot pro prosecutions. But here's the story. William and the co-defendants in that case share a common bond. They are all members of Oath Keepers. Uh, And his whole family are firefighters. It traces back the generations. His mother was a firefighter. I believe they encouraged him to join Oath Keepers because it is comprised of uh, former uh, firefighters, law enforcement officers, and military personnel. There's no sign that he did anything untoward on that day except go into the Capitol he didn't bring arms. He didn't do anything like that. You know, you've heard this before. Oathkeepers, Keepers, uh, many of them, I've heard them say this. They understood that they would be part of a purely defensive security group to protect speakers because D.C. law enforcement would not. Does that make sense to you? Makes sense to me. And so um, I'm going to save this other story because I want to get to this. Uh, I've been telling you about writing these guys, and I've been telling you about the horrible treatment, and some of you have really done that. I know lots of you have really done it. And I want to give you an example from a friend of mine who's been writing. She's just, it's just amazing. And it's, the, it's a response she got from someone inside. And I wanted you to hear uh, what he had to say, because I think you're going to find it remarkable. And let me just tell you before I even read this, if you would like to write to these people, I think it's all men now, but I don't know. Uh, it's a Patriot Male Project. Uh, is it .com or .org? You guys help me. PatriotMailProject.something. .something. It's, it's .com or .org. You can look both for the, both of them up. So uh, this is the letter that my friend .com. Okay, it's .com. PatriotMailProject.com. All right, this is uh, the one of the responses that my friend received. And, Of course, I have to edit it, um, but I just these some things I've chosen to read for you here. He first he says, "Dearest blank, oh thank you for your card." Uh, and then he says, "Oh my, yes, uh, a man has to have a relationship with God to endure this type of world rending, world rending." And the Good Book has been close at hand. A favorite passage lately was Joshua one nine, but lately I've been reading about the prisoners Paul and Peter. I found Second Corinthians chapter four verse eleven: "We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed; we are perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted." but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Even in the deepest of negatives, we are never abandoned to total ruin. It may seem as though we are buried, but maybe it is that we have been planted. Letters like yours are treats for the soul and keep a man knowing he has not been forgotten. Thank you, God, for the Psalms. And may I... uh, Thank you for... She sent him some Psalms and he was expressing his thanks. Okay, um... Uh, Okay, he says, It seems that there is a sort of re-education afoot here in D.C. Our judge tells us we are not patriots, not political prisoners, that 1776 was fought against men like us. In order to access the law library, we were issued tablets with programming that would turn your stomach. And then he goes on to say... um, there's more. I'm having to edit here. He says, the mail room must be drowning. He's talking about all the letters that were coming in. He says, and that this is new. I mean, this is not a new letter. Uh, this is probably a month old, maybe three weeks. Uh, but he says, the mail room must be drowning. He says, keep it up. I want you to know that the men here sing the ode to the Star-Spangled Banner, our national anthem, every night to a hand-drawn paper flag. We have to keep the flag moving through. Every time we placed it up on a high spot, it was taken as contraband. Men have gone to the hole over writing uh, joke, writing slips, oh, sl- slips for the grievance box, and they really hate it uh, when Trump won, gets submitted. <laughs> well, the beatings will continue until morale improves, but I've seen these and seen them threatened over things as simple as singing God Bless America. And then he says uh, to my friend, Do you believe in the power of prayer? I do. I found one has to ask, knock, in order to receive an answer. I've been away from my baby daughter since early February, over six months. This month is her birthday, and I will be missing it. Um, and he goes on, I've already missed uh, all these other things with her. And then um, he finishes, he said, your letter brought me such happiness. I know the loved ones I left at home are in need of brightening, a brighter day, too. I'd be grateful to you. Uh, she's, he's asking them her to write his family. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Isn't that something? So I, if you guys, uh, and I know there are others who are having these experiences, maybe getting letters or you're writing them. Don't expect to get the letters. I mean, that's just an extra blessing. But um, they, there's a list of them on this patriotmailproject.com, patriotmailproject.com. You can write all of them or just pick out some that you want to write. Uh, but... Um, uh, I hope you'll do that. Let's let's do that for these people. You know, even if they were, you know, Christians for years have written hardened prisoners uh, in jail. I remember, this is one I remember, Jeffrey Dahmer, the mass murderer, cannibal. Anybody remember him? I do. For some reason, I found myself uh, right in the thick of uh, his situation, also John Wayne Gacy, but that's a whole other story for another day. Uh, but um, he was such a uh wicked you know it came after young boys i i can't say it on the air let's just say jeffrey Dahmer was a wicked person and uh one woman one little lady chose who was a christian chose to write him and she kept writing him and she told him about jesus and um she then told uh her pastor or recommended and said you have to you have to contact him well, I interviewed the pastor, and this is what he told me. He said, "I don't want to. I do not want to go see uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. I have no desire. That just that turns my stomach. I don't want to talk to Jeffrey Dahmer." But he said, "I, I had to." And he said, I go, "I'll go and I sit across from him and I talk to him. And he's been evangelized by my congregant, and um, I, I, I sort of tell him the gospel, but my heart is not in it. And in that moment, Jeffrey Dahmer." prayed to receive Christ. And after that, he got into Bible study. His whole life changed. Then he was murdered by someone, another prisoner, a little bit later than that. And I don't think uh, the pastor was not—he didn't make any boasts to me about how it had transformed his life, but he was obedient. It's kind of like uh, Jonah going to Nineveh to preach. He didn't want to go to Nineveh to preach. He didn't want to go talk to Jeffrey Dahmer, the cannibal mass murderer, and he did. And Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Christ. is that a story? I- I'm not saying uh, these guys that were in jail uh, in d c right now are not that by a long shot they you know disrupted a proceeding an official proceeding that's pretty pretty risky if you ask me remember I've told you that um the FBI has found that there was no there was no conspiracy to overthrow the government. there was nothing like that, no matter all the resources they poured into trying to track down and destroy you know as Hillary Clinton would say the deplorables the uh homegrown extremists. They found really nothing. And yet they're holding these guys with varying charges against them uh, in jail for months and months and months, uh, treating them so horribly in ways that Americans are not treated. So uh, that's uh, why we're telling you about this rally this, this Saturday. And uh, we hope that you'll go. Sandy Rios in the morning. On
0: the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast